I always find it amusing that the first day or two uh, of the seminar, you guys are all wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, having breakfast. And um, I almost forgot my mom this morning. <clears throat> and um, then by today, or yesterday, there's less people down for breakfast, or they're not, uh, they don't eat a full breakfast, etc., etc. Now, why is it, in your humble opinion, in your little pea brains, jellyfish brains, do you think that um, as the seminar wears on, there's um, less people down for breakfast? Because <coughs> no one's used to that work ethic. Hmm? No one's used to that work ethic. Yes, because you're all lazy cunts. Even though, even though Hans thinks he's a man, a real fucking man, he's a lazy cunt. And he comes from an industry, it's hard to be a lazy cunt. But compared to those guys, you guys don't even work. And when I, for the YouTubers, that's the influencers. I'm not even talking about my Hall of Fame. They work, you know, as... Um, we, uh, I quoted Ted Turner uh, yesterday. Uh, he said, you can get so much more done in a 24-hour day. I slept in the office the first 20, uh, 20 years of my uh, business when I started CNN. And he reiterated that on this just a few months ago on his 75th birthday. They had a special on CNN. Why would they have a special on him on CNN? I wonder why. <laughs> but anyway, they had a, uh, with Wolf. Blitzer, I like Wolf, Wolf Blitzer, and he says you can get so much uh, more done, and uh, of course I can relate to that, but, um, and this work ethic, we're not, you know, you're, you're not working 20 hours a day here, you're not even working 18 hours a day, and one of the, the things that uh, I also find amusing in the weekly reports, in the beginning, uh, some of you, the ones that are, you know, try to be as candid as you can, as honest as you can, uh, you relate. Uh, <coughs> I'm not used to these long hours. I get tired. Some of you are going to start getting sick, ill, because your body can't keep up with the pace, <coughs> which is uh, my experience with these 21 years that I've been doing this. And um, the... Uh, because even though, I mean, you know, you're all, and for those of you that are working on your own businesses, you, you know, you're trying to do what you think heretofore as the best you could. You now know it's not the best you could, but up until you got here, it's the best you, you thought. And um, it's not. And um, the, um, and which ones do you think get ill first? I mean, you're going to get colds, you're going to get sore throats, you're going to, you know, which, which, which group do you think? I mean, age-wise. Non-entrepreneurs? Huh? Oh, age-wise. Age-wise. Oh, the young, younger people. Probably. The young guys, you're right. The young guys are the ones that crack. The young guys. The guys in their 20s are the ones that get fucking sick. Some of the old geezers that can draw back in the past. They can grasp themselves by the testicles and rip themselves, uh, suck up their pantyhose from the, the days far gone by. Don't normally get ill. But the kids, sore throats, we're on the conference calls, the uh, monthly conference calls, sniffles, colds, 
It's quite amusing to me. It's quite amusing to me. And um, the, uh, whereas the kids are supposed to be the stronger. Okay, they're stronger physically, but they're not stronger up here. They're not stronger up here. I, 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 we have a, quite a big operation in Asia, in the Philippines. We had one in China too, uh, up until a couple years ago. The Philippines is the only country that I know of, and maybe it's the same in Indonesia, where diarrhea is a reason for not coming to work. Diarrhea. Headache is not a reason for not coming to work. Fucking headache. Sounds like Sweden. Yeah? Grandmas. Huh? Grandmas. Yeah. All five of them. Yeah. Or their grandmother died, uh, the fifth one. <laughs> having a management meeting. I said, where's so-and-so? And they said, oh, his, um, his wife had a baby. Okay. And then another management meeting a few weeks later, where's so-and-so? Uh, his mother died. Okay. Then we, this one I first got there. Then we look into it. One, he's not married. <laughs> he's not married. And two, his mother died uh, at birth. His birth. So, but headaches, diarrhea, uh, and when somebody goes to the hospital, when a father goes to the hospital, everybody goes to the hospital. So you'll see a guy there who's, you know, allegedly sick, and there's 10, 12, 14 people with him. That is so bullshit. And uh, the, uh, but there's a, a lot of cultures, and I realize that a lot of cultures um, are very, um, supportive of the, the matriarch or the patriarch of the family. I understand all that. But the, um, and I, I've asked parents, do you need all these people that you don't get? I don't, I don't. But some of them say candidly, they, they, because if I should die, they want, to know, they want me to know that I saw them there supporting me so I shouldn't change my will. <laughs> And so when I see you guys not come down uh, to breakfast, or, um, it's, it's quite amusing. Now, I'm the one that should be fucking tired, not you. I'm the one screaming and yelling, and my voice starts to go about this time a little bit, and my voice has changed a little since the first day. Uh, but it, I always I always get a uh, kick out of it, and I'm talking to the girls in the kitchen. Uh, yesterday I was asking, I, I came down about uh, 25... Uh, uh, until I figured out I had a big stain on my suit, 25 after 7, before I went back up and changed again. Uh, and, the, uh, and there were there weren't but a couple of people having breakfast, and then the first morning, I mean, I think you were all there uh, having breakfast and chit-chatting and talking, and I hope you weren't networking and shit. Uh, I, I pray to all that you weren't networking. Um, but that's the difference. That's the difference. By the end of the year, your work ethic will be significantly more. And um, after lunch, somebody remind me to, um, I want to go about the, talk a little bit about the weekly report. But um, the weekly reports come in different formats. For you guys that are spreadsheeters, they put it in the <coughs> uh, But it's, um, it's, it's quite copious and asks a lot of questions. Um, but the amount of information I want isn't war and peace. War and peace meaning, you know, volumes. And I got that, and I and I got this uh, technique, which uh, Klaus also uses. Um, speaking of Klaus, how 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 was it watching Klaus last night? Good. Uh, boring. Boring. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Very, you know, yeah. Well, he speaks in a monotone. He's actually a pretty good public speaker. He's much better public speaker than he was 15 years ago, that's for sure. But he's a good public speaker. He's a, he's a good public speaker. He covered a lot. I mean, there's a lot in there. He covered a lot. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was good. It was good. He's, he's a smart guy. And we go through some of the slides of the inventory. And because when he's mentioned it to the seminar group uh, a year ago, then uh, of course uh, the um, the biographers in the audience, like Pablo, went and Googled the, the material that he uses. <coughs> he basically uses a military format, and that military format is what I uh, learned in NATO in the 60s. And um, the um, and if you can't explain it on one page, then either you don't understand it. And you certainly aren't going to be able to manage it. Um, and so the um, week reports are based on, on a one-week format, as I told you. What did you do this week? What are you doing next week? Problems and challenges. And um, we'll, we'll talk more about it after lunch today. But um, Klaus, um, Klaus is an extraordinary, uh, a good project manager at the 60,000 foot level, Concord. He's looking down at Concord because when you have that many employees that he has and that he's been um, in, in charge of since he was at Siemens, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a different kind of project management. He's not wondering whether uh, uh, Jeff came to work on time um, and um, he gives his managers a lot of latitude. But as he said, uh, he, he, you know, he tries to get people and not, not just at Siemens, but all the big companies, they want people to be able to go the extra mile. Extra mile meaning that you don't have to tell them to do stuff. Now, I learned a long time ago, world-class managers or even good managers, you don't have to manage. You don't have any of those. <coughs> world-class managers, I'm going to say it again because y'all look at me funny. World-class managers, you don't have to manage. They know what to do. And they do it. And they know how to produce results. That's, what you, that's who you want on your bus. And when you bring people on the bus that can't do that, then you've got to exit them off the bus. You know, just like in the, in the movies, the, the bus guy uh, puts the brake on and he opens the door, and you've got to exit them. The hardest thing in the beginning will you, for you will be to exit people off the bus. Because for a number of reasons, but the, the most of which, uh, the, the two biggest are one, you have to admit you made a mistake, and two, what are people going to think? So, and I've said it many, many times, and I believe uh, I learned this from Jack Welch, it's not the people that you terminate that kill your business, it's the people you don't terminate that kill your business. And, and, and that's why it's so difficult to be in business with your wife, your husband, your, your uh, brother, your cousins, etc. Because in, 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 your, in the core of your body, the core of your being, somewhere somebody told you you should be nicer to your blood. It, it sounds like the army. I watched the Navy Seals on Netflix before I came here. And when they have like 300 people the first day, and they have like 100 uh, people the next week. They asked. Yeah. Go through. Yeah. And Navy SEALs is tough, but it's not as tough as it used to be because you can go home on the weekends now. 
is a little difficult for me to swallow. But um, the uh, but your management style is going to be nothing like the uh, military or Navy SEAL. Now, if some of you should gravitate towards that, that'd be great. That'd be terrific. That's going to make our job a lot easier. And some of you that have been the closet 13th century managers, you're going to love this. Really, really down deep inside, you always wanted to cut their fucking hand off when they stole, but you know you can't. Well, we still don't cut their hand off when they steal, but we certainly throw them out the fucking door. And so, um, but there's not too many closet managers like that. And that's why when I give the military talks on, uh, I used to be on uh, webinars, etc. I start with 800 people. By the time I'm done, done I'm down to 40 or 50. And that one that you like about commitment, where I go, people say I go psycho on, from 2010, I started with a whole bunch and I got, I finished with 50. And uh, I got, um, I almost say I got hate mail, but I got uh, remarks. Well, if you have to be a psychopath like that, I don't want to be a high performance person. If you have to be a psychopath like that and, and uh, take decisions, you can always tell if somebody's uh, English. You don't take decisions, but English people say they take a decision. If to take decisions like that, then I want to stay poor. And um, the, um, but you know, that's, that's a choice you'll have to make going down the road. Okay, last night we did goals. Right? Okay. Um, we're not going to do the goals uh, on YouTube, but I want to ask you some general questions. Okay. What was the biggest thing that you learned, if you learned anything, when you started putting down your goals? Because the people that I've talked to so far, in the private time, just about everybody has said, one thing, my goals are too low in the papers that you have. Okay, so, and I told you the first day or the first night that you can look at it a couple ways, but just adding zeros. But it's a combination of adding zeros or nots, as they have to say here, and shortening the time frame. That's that's the simple lesson in, in goal setting. I thought but, you said no time frame, so as soon as... No, no, I understand that, but you guys, before you got here, maybe you didn't because you know what I say, is normally you put time frame down. Time frame in some, you know, 5 million or 500,000, and now you know it should be 50 million or... Don't you have to for the summary, executive summary stuff? Though? Pardon? Don't you have to for Those the aren't goals. Stuff? If you want to be the, if you want to be the leading company in whatever industry it is on the planet, you know, we will dominate the planet in such and such. Like when Bill Gates started Microsoft, uh, I don't remember the exact words, but we want to put a computer in every house in America. He said something like that. And he said in a recent interview when he was with uh, Warren Buffett, he said, I should have said, I want to put a computer in every home in the world. See? He said, now, one would think, in the 70s when he started the company, a computer in everybody's house is a pretty bodacious goal. Well, it's just about, you know, 20 years ago, he just about did that. So the, he should have said, you know, I want to put one in every uh, home uh, on the planet. And he, and he, or he should have said, in every, wherever anybody inhabits on the solar system. But words like, I want to dominate the industry. So, what, 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 any, any general feeling 
when working on your goals? At one point. Yes. <clears throat> I was thinking about how to reach the goal. Well, when, okay. When yeah. you start thinking, it's normally a problem for the group. So <laughs> let me let so, me finish. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> now, before I came here, I always thinking about how to reach there. But after the first two days, I stopped thinking of how. It's not the how. Yes, it is. It's when. not even the when. Yes. It's the do. That's good. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. But you're not alone. Everybody thinks about the how, and that's what keeps them from doing it. You know? Yes, Jeff. It's getting, it's getting comfortable with seeing the end and actually believing that <coughs> that's a possibility. Because it's so far higher than anything that I've ever done before. This morning I only got up at 5.39, but then I thought of the two things I wanted to cover today, and I went back to sleep for 30-40 minutes uh, instead of getting up and writing stuff down. But one of the things that I wanted to bring up, and you hit upon it uh, indirectly, so far, how would you assimilate the information that I've given you, assuming this is the one I used to cover in the three-day or the one-day. But in the one-day seminars when I first started 20 years ago, they were 18 hours long, seminar, no Q&A, and with Q&A they were normally 20 to 24 hours long. Some, I gave one in Chicago 28 hours, straight through, because Q&A was eight hours. We had a bunch of guys like you in the fucking audience that, I mean, uh, but, uh, and you, uh, but, uh, Mr. Penny, and they weren't Muslim, uh, but Mr. Penny, and so I wound up being in, uh, does Chicago have a big Muslim population? I don't know, but I don't think we had any. But, um, I, because the actual material you can cover in 18 hours. But what we found after the first 10 or 12 months is it was very difficult for them to assimilate. Very difficult for them to assimilate. Very few people got it. But if you had received the same information and we were at Heathrow Airport, okay? because I used to give three days at Heathrow Airport a long time ago. How do you think it's different than being here and getting the same information as opposed to sitting at Heathrow Airport and spending the night in a hotel room? Uh, same well, let's just say it's the same, it's not the same information because I think of different metaphors here, I think of different, I can point over here, this happened here, etc. How do you think it would uh, differ? Or do you think it would differ? We're uh, more focused on ourselves here. You know, we get uh, breakfast and dinner, and uh, we're in the environment. You know, we're close to you more at your home, and uh, we have we have more, more skin. Sorry, we have more skin in the game, so we we have a reason to pay attention and, and be quiet when it needs to be. Chris, got evidence that it works. Amen. That's why it's so much more successful here. <coughs> Reality matrix. Correct. Correct. And Josiah is smarter than he looks. Correct. Correct. I mean, because it's, like I said, this is the perfect metaphor. Yesterday's dreams are today's realities. And today's dreams are tomorrow's realities. And people's goals that we used to do, goal setting at Heathrow Airport, I gave a couple at Gatwick Airport. Actually, I did. It was better at Gatwick Airport. I have no idea why it was better at Gatwick Airport than Heathrow Airport. <clears throat> the goals 
setting, even after the seminar down there, don't compare to the goal setting up here. They're not even in the same universe. I mean, people believe, like you said. I mean, shit. In 17 months, and, and, he, and, he, and you know, he was setting goals for stuff he couldn't afford. You know? And, um, and it works, you know? No different than when uh, Henry Ford and Napoleon Hill, excuse me, Andrew Carnegie, was setting goals and affirmations if, uh, for stuff that, you know, there was no way that they could afford. And I have, I have, a, you know, I have an okay education, but they had no educations, no education. I think it's funny that they turned down uh, Wozniak and Jobs at Hewlett Packard because they didn't go to college. I think that's amusing. Hewlett Packard doesn't think it's so amusing, but I think it's amusing <laughs> because for some of you have very, very good educations. Some of you have extraordinary educations, and some of you have no education, but don't make a shit. It doesn't make it make any difference. It might the guys that are well educated, it may open a door easier to begin with. But at the end of the day, it's the proof of the pudding is in the doing, and then that's it. The guys at Siemens, and I didn't realize this, Klaus told me uh, several years ago, you know, a lot of the guys at Siemens don't even know, don't think that you went to a uh, university. Don't have any diplomas. But nobody, <laughs> nobody's ever asked me in all these years, except for the first, when I interviewed, <clears throat> this is a good story. When I, first, when I uh, came back from the, the Vietnam era, and I had flunked out of university three times before, <clears throat> and we have F's and D's, they're not, they don't work towards graduation. So I had basically had to repeat four years. I repeated and got it done in two and a half years. I took as much as 26 units a semester. I've said that before. And I went to two universities simultaneously. I went to UCLA and I went to Cal California State University, Northridge campus. Uh, when I got out of school, uh, they didn't teach you how to interview, etc. But I, I, I decided I wanted to inter uh, go to work for Fortune 500 companies. So I interviewed with two Fortune 500 companies. I had seven or eight interviews with one Fortune 500 company, including the vice chairman. And I had five or six interviews with the other Fortune 500 company. Now, when you have that many interviews, you assume you're going to get a job offer. The vice chairman of Carnation, which is, I believe, now part of Nestle, uh, was my last interview. And I'm sitting in there telling yes, sir. Uh, he said, I just wanted to meet you, Mr. Pena. And he says, why? He says, uh, we're not going to get the job offer. But I wanted to meet you. And I said, well, first I said, you're my seventh or eighth interview, no, no job offer? Uh, now, I was a young guy, I was 25 years old. I, I acted like a young infantry officer. I thought I was Napoleon. And so I'm starting to drill him, why, why, why? And he said, you scared everybody. And the reason, the only reason you got to the next interview is because they were so afraid that they would make a mistake by not pushing you up the line that ultimately would come back and they'd get fired. So you got to come to the <coughs> vice chairman, for, and I'm retiring in four months, so you can't hurt me. So I'm the one that's telling you no. But he said, good luck to you, young man. So I walk out, you know, and I said, what the fuck? Is this, is this the way that, so, you know, I come from a, a bureaucratic uh, military background. Is this, the, is this what corporate life's all about? Because I figured any place I went to, I'd be CEO. You know, and I always thought the chairmen were old geezers, so you know, 
But I'd be CEO for sure. I'd be the youngest CEO of a Fortune 500 company that there ever was. That's what I thought. The next company calls me, and uh, it's, the, it's the head. Uh, they just started calling personnel human resources then. And it's the head of human resources. And he says, Dan, can I buy you a drink? Well, when he wants to buy me a drink, I know I'm not getting a job offer. So I said, this can't be two for two. So I meet the guy for a drink, and he was the next army officer from the Vietnam War, two years older than me. He says, I think I owe it to you to tell you why you're not going to get a job offer. So we're sitting there, we're having a drink, and uh, he said, uh, basically told me the same story that the vice chairman of Carnation told me. Uh, this is the company that was Dunlap. And, uh, and he said, you scared the shit out of everybody. And he said that I took all these tests, you know, they gave me all these tests, and this was just the beginning when they gave you a lot of tests. He said, and uh, one of our uh, psychologists said that having Penny here would be putting like a, uh, a round peg in a square hole or a square peg in a round hole. And uh, it would be too disruptive, etc. But they were basically all afraid as well. Now, I should have known that, well, I knew then that the corporate world wasn't for me. Uh, not because I didn't want to be in the corporate world, because I did. The corporate world didn't want me. They, you know, they, they just flat ass didn't want me. And some of you guys are in the corporate world, but some of you couldn't make it in the corporate world now because you've been out on your own. Uh, you don't want to listen to anybody, that's fine. Uh, because I came straight from the military to school to, uh, I thought, you know, the corporate world, and just as if I had stayed in the Army, Tommy Franks, who was the uh, general in charge of um, um, shock and awe from the Iraqi war, he's a contemporary. He and I went to OCS at the same time. We both graduated from OCS in 1967. I would have been a four-star, there's no question in my fucking military civilian mind I would have been a four-star general. I would have been a field marshal, I would have been a fucking whatever. <coughs> so I figured I'm just going to take those talents and I'm going to go be CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And so then I went to Wall Street because they didn't give a fuck. Yeah, you know, you could be as loud mouth as long as you produced and did deals and shit. And, and, uh, but the information that you get here is meaningful, for a few of you alluded to it, because it makes it so fucking real. Now, sometimes I think it's not such a good idea given the seminar in the pavilion that I built, this room. Because I used to give the seminar in the castle. Um, but just for, for space, etc., and uh, this is actually more convenient, it's more conducive. Uh, you can use visual aids. I used, we used to have visual aids in the dining room. Uh, and but then we had to break it down for lunch. We had to break it at while you're having breakfast. They were putting up the slide machines and the overheads and all this, and it just became too much of a pain in the ass. Uh, and so then we built this 11 years ago. But I didn't start using it for seminars till about five, six years ago. Um, the um, but it is, and your and your and your goals change, and they will change again when you go home. Part of the reason they're going to change again when you go home, back to the what I call the real world. You call it the real world. I call it the unreal world. Because that's not the way the world's supposed to be, what you're going back to. That's what people have allowed it to be. That's what the people allowed it to be. And so you're, you, amongst a lot of other people that have been through the program, are changing it. Anything else about goals? 
that became yes public. Well, the takeaway for me in the last couple of days that stuck out the most is before I would think about, I thought it would be irresponsible and, and bullshit to write down a goal that you had no clue on the details how it was going to happen. Most people think that. I felt it was, you know, irresponsible and airy-fairy, but it's becoming more real, the system and the process. So it's, I can legitimately and congruently write down a goal that I really have no clue how it's going to happen because I trust the details will work themselves out and I trust the system. How did Walt Disney, who's up on that wall, how did Walt Disney, one of his goals back in the 30s when he was doing animation, etc., how did Walt Disney think that he was going to make every kid on the planet happy? Now, that was that's how the, uh, the whole thing started. The first <coughs> animation did do theme park. Now, that's pretty fucked up. No, no, I don't think it's fucked up. But the thought process, how is one guy who... You know, uh, uh, got dropped out of school, if I remember correctly. Gonna make every little shithead kid. Now, I wouldn't have that kind of goal myself. But and every little shithead kid on the planet happy. Now, uh, he has no way, he has no idea. And then he's drawn, he's not drawn, but he's supervising somebody drawing Daffy Duck at the time. You know? So. He didn't know, but things fall into place. Just as when we went through the gold sequence of some of the things that I've done. And then once you get used to it, success begets success. I am stunned when something I say I'm gonna do doesn't happen. I'm, you know, I'm literally stunned. Because I've been doing it a long, long time now. Now, when I was young, and I was being interviewed by those Fortune 500 companies, I was stunned because I was arrogant, okay? I did this, I did this, I just finished four year uh, degree with honors in two and a half years, went to two universities, so 26 units, I just went to the, some of the toughest military training there ever was, blah, 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 blah. I should do, be working here. Now, I'm not arrogant, I'm stunned because I've been so successful at it and I've had so many people like yourself successful at it. I'm really, you know, I'm stunned, surprised, shocked and awed when we don't accomplish something. Okay, enough about goals. Thanks. We'll see you guys later.